Radio. Are you looking for veteran resources and peer support? Objective Zero has an app for that. Download the Objective Zero app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Access wellness resources like yoga and a free year subscription to Headspace, the world's most popular meditation app. Check out veterans resources and access our nationwide network of peer support. Speak to fellow women veterans or someone in your field and branch of service. You get to choose who you want to chat with. Learn more at www.objectivezero.org. That's www.objectivezero.org. Please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DV Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DV Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. I am the first dick in your ear, Bonerwood, so it's going to be a hard one tonight. Now, God damn it, Bo, that's just not even fair. This is Barracks Talk. This is Inside the Nuthouse, man. We got Sergeant Wardog. Oh, I just broke out of the rubber room, dog. The bacon man himself, oink. You are truly putting the D in the B when it comes to DV radio. Mr. Recall. I prefer to be referred to as belly and down. And don't know where the fuck Google is. I told you it's my computer, it's not me. That's exactly how I feel. We probably had a few too many to drink, you know what I'm saying? 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Can I get a thimble full of sweet baby rays, please? We don't have it. Saturday's going to be even more entertaining. Illogical. You still have the DD radio store for those wondering. Shit's still there. You can buy shit. Mine shit's good, okay? Oh, we haven't even gotten there yet. You fucking got me there already. Love and military barracks talking around this motherfucker. How's your back feeling after that penis reduction? Oh. <laughs> You're tuned in to WDVR on DVRadio.net. Because this is how it is on DV Radio. That is how it is right here on WDVR, DVRadio.net. It's October 22nd, 2022. Best talk alive. Or if you're not listening to us live, you're listening to us on a podcast that you're either on Podbean or anywhere but Spotify. There, I narrowed it down for you. Everywhere but fucking Spotify, because they're dick bags. I would say the other thing, but I don't want to fucking edit it out. And don't none of you assholes say it, because I'll have to go in and edit it out, and I don't fucking want to. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Bonerwood. Tonight, we got a full motherfucking his house from the Marines eating his crowns. As always, we got Sergeant Vordog somewhere. Uh, got to find the unmute button, brother. Psych ward gang. <laughs> I forgot you can't read, so you have to go by field. It's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we got the bacon man, the pig man himself, oink, up in Alaska. What's happening, folks? We got Mr. JJ Joaquin Wata, PTS dog, the man who plays with his wood and rubs it all day out in a little shed by himself. How you doing, brother? Hi. Jesus fucking Christ. And we've got a man masquerading as a t-shirt. Uh, it's Doug Rowe, first sergeant, retired. <laughs> hey, 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 how y'all doing? Out fucking standing. And I need to turn everybody up because, you know, Windows likes to fuck with my shit. Anyway, <laughs> before I go any further, if you did not know, free standard shipping ends tomorrow, Sunday, October 23rd, here on the dvradio.net. The store, just click the DV radio store. See it right there on your left? There you go. Click it if you're on a computer. If you're not on a computer, you click those little red 
lines at the top and then he drops down click give me radio story to straight to the store um yeah that's basically it <laughs> how's everybody doing this evening all right doing Hi. great out here in arizona yeah i'm doing pretty good freezing my butt off because decided it was winter a month early <laughs> how you doing Mike? it's probably colder up there in the hills isn't it Mm-mm. Eh, only 39 here in the last. I was going to say it's not really that cold here right now. I mean, it's yeah, well, 70. I mean, today was today was nice. Today, yeah, the day was like in 65. the 60s. Yeah, yeah, it's, today it's, was nice. It's 70 in my room right now, and it'll probably be 70 when we end the show unless I've got the air on. So, <clears throat> yep, it's it's one of them fucking years when global warming attacks. <laughs> That's why it's so cold. Wait, how does that make sense? See, global warming makes it colder because um, the inverted rays of the sun uh, penetrate the glacial uh, ice packs and melt them, cooling the earth uh, because it's warmer. Penetrating, hanging, <laughs> broke back mountains, penises, giving birth. We've done it all tonight and we hadn't even started the show. Um, I might just leave the pre-show in this time. I don't know. <laughs> we were on fire from the start. Jesus Christ. There is a cream for that I've heard though, so. <laughs> I... I mm. I don't want to know. Um, I've heard. I've heard. I no, no personal experience. I'm just saying. So, and whoever's listening to us from Arizona, thank you for listening <laughs> to us because we were trying to figure it out. And I was like, who gets listening to us from Arizona? And JJ just utters and goes, it must be Doug. And Doug's like, yep, I'm in Arizona. It's like, but are you listening to the show? Not in Zoom, of course, on the website. And he's like, oh, no. I was like, have you been listening to us the past year? Nope. <laughs> so we know it's not Doug, but whoever's listening to us at Park Place Mall using their Wi-Fi, we give you props for stealing Wi-Fi at a mall. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're listening to us at Abercrombie and Fitch right now. <laughs> that would be so and we are going to offend so many motherfucking snowflakes. <laughs> oh, CV66 says there CV66, is Tucson, Arizona. USS that makes sense. America? Am I correct? Is my memory correct? We got another sailor? Hmm. You're going to have to let it Maybe? propagate to their... Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yankee, Yankee Candle. candle. <laughs> man, man says they're listening to us in the Yankee Candle. <laughs> They've got the, they, they're making the DV radio candle as we speak. That's my sister's... <laughs> USS America sailor. That's the sister ship of my first ship, John F. Kennedy, CB-67. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and as uh, Doug said earlier, what was it you said about us in in and in, in being straight and all that earlier, Doug? You can say it. It's okay. There is nothing gayer than a straight military member. Yep. And you're listening to them all right now. Um, so <laughs> straight up, not you're not lying. You know what? No, no I'm to detected. If, if you can mark that oink, I am going to have to put that in next year's intro. 
like straight up, I'm putting that in next year's intro. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> We're doing it. <laughs> it's my fucking intro. I fucking put it together. I will put whatever the fuck I want in it. That being said. And we don't even get a vote. Hell no. <laughs> this not is for not that. a democracy. <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! I might have to turn that over. Yeah, it was a DB6. Having flashbacks, his dad unhooking his belt. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, earlier, earlier, I found out that it is derogatory to call Jewish people Jews. <laughs> what are, What are we supposed to call them then? Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs> You can get that little ish out, is what I heard. What? <laughs> yep. Well, you get the ish out of the country, too, My wife, she's fine with either one. Well, is that done? So, say again? Yeah, my wife says she's good with either one. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I have fer- several Jewish friends, and they yeah. call themselves That's just like, look, oh, you can't say Indians. It's Native Americans. Americans. Indigenous. Look, speaking as an Indian, I can tell you that we call yep. ourselves fucking Indians. Yep. <laughs> sorry. The elder, you talk, to, you talk to an elder of any tribe in the United States, Indian. and you call them Native Americans, or you call them indigenous, and they're going to go, what? What yep. are you saying? We're, the, we're only, the only other thing that I've ever referred to Indians as or the culture as is Navajo. That's it. It's the only other word I've well, ever that's used. A par- yeah, that's a particular tribe. But I know. And but yeah, that's, you, can, you, can re- that's you, you can definitely refer to to a native as their tribe. Absolutely. Then that's completely respectful. <clears throat> but especially the, especially the older generations, if you call them – Native Americans or indigenous peoples or whatever other yep. ridiculous it's, terms, it's they're up. all going to look at you like you're speaking gibberish. They, they, give, they give you the stank eye. Yeah, they do. <laughs> no, we're Indians. One, one of my favorite um, quotes comes from Young Guns, and it's when Chavez E. Chavez is fighting. <laughs> and he goes, it's a Mexican Indian. <laughs> and I'm like, because he's like, he keeps yelling at it. He's like, Navajo, Navajo. And he's like, it's Mexican Indian, son of a bitch. Well, it's just like uh, Latinx. Yep. No Latinos. That. Also, I represent the Latino <laughs> race or whatever the fuck. For those that no don't know, Latinos. JJ's we are culture. Not JJ's culture is deep. <laughs> it really, you don't get much more American than me. You really don't. I'm, right. I am ne- I'm Mescalero Apache on my father's side and Mexican. And I'm a direct descendant from William Hooper, who signed the Declaration of Independence as a representative for North Carolina on my mother's side. So, yeah, you can't get much more American. <laughs> well, you know what? I have an ancestor who was a naval captain for the king of Scotland. So go f- fuck on that. Anyway. Yeah, but you know that the, that the Scotland Navy consisted of like three little rowboats and a... And you a wish. Boat. You fucking <laughs> wish. <laughs> you wish, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I, I actually had, had dug up all the all the backstory and all. And, they, and the king gave them a castle and all. And what's sad... Is they have let that grow up and and basically turn to rubble, and I'm just like, it was a beautiful place from the drawings I've seen, and now what it's 
it's just, it looks like a fucking bomb hit it, which it probably did, you know, fucking world wars and shit. Um, but <laughs> I'm like, a part of history is gone now because some asshole was like, eh, leave it. And that's the same here in America. But anyway, don't yeah. fuck with Japanese cholos. <laughs> no, that's don't fuck with Japanese cholos, Holmes. <laughs> Man, did you watch that? <laughs> I did. It was it was hilarious. Right? I was dying. Because not only not only do they have Japanese accents, <laughs> and they speak cholo. <laughs> They're like, hey, Holmes, with a with with a fucking Japanese accent. And I'm like, my head is hurting watching that shit. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like this this ain't real. It's so fucking real. Like, <laughs> oh my god, it, it was probably one of the it's greatest. The Japanese, it's the Japanese equivalent of a weeb for cholos. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's like the white guys who are weebs over Japanese anime <laughs> culture, except for cholos. Right? Like, no joke. I watched a lot of underground back city stuff right where it talks about you know crime lords and drug industry and stuff like that and then it talks about gangs and cultures and stuff that you don't really get to understand unless you're a part of it or you know somebody that's in that right i found the japanese cholos and i know we spoke about it before that's the greatest one i have (laughs) ever seen in my entire fucking life you know what it is is an is actual reality. It is a demonstration of how cultures are meant to be shared mm-hmm. and celebrated, and and um, and uh, emulated and learned from. Yeah. not fucking isolated, segregated, and protected because oh, you're you're appropriating. Yeah, you know. I mean, there are certain things that yes, it is inappropriate. You certainly, if you have not earned a war bonnet awarded to you from an elder of the tribe have no business wearing a war bonnet. That's a matter of respect. It's the same as stolen valor. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have a purple heart, you should not wear a purple heart. Um, But at the same time, I don't know a single uh, Mescalero who would not be absolutely overjoyed to have anyone, regardless of their ethnicity, sincerely want to learn about, the tribe and about their history and, and the language and, and foods and traditions. Mm-hmm. I don't know any, I do not know any native who would turn you away and tell you no. Well, it's like, not the, personally. It's like, okay, so I shared, and I don't know if you've seen it, JJ, but I shared a picture of an Indian wearing a red shirt and it has a picture. It's supposed to be of the Indian Redskins, but it's a white man. On, on the symbol and it says Caucasians and he's pointing at it. And I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Like you could not like that. Honestly, like honestly, ironically, I will be, I will say like white people, fucking white people, man. Yeah, Yeah, I do it too. But, but somebody goes, somebody goes, yeah, but uh, what was it? they're trying to prove a point or something. And I was like, yeah, he is trying to prove a point that it doesn't matter. (laughs) Exactly. Guess what? We are all human. You cut us, we all bleed and it's the same fucking color. Well, there's also a video going around and it's showing a combination, a a compilation of uh, Indians. And they're, they're basically being asked, you know, are, are you 
tired of cultural appropriation? That's base. That's the basic question, right? And they're like, no, I'm honored. And the Redskins is an honor. And, and they talk mm-hmm. what we were just talking about. Everything's an honor. And, and one of them basically ends it with, if we don't emulate, if we don't do this, our culture dies. Right. Well, that's just it. Yeah. Is if the, if people don't learn about the cultures and quote unquote appropriate them, mm-hmm. the cultures die. The cultures yeah. disappear. There are American Indian tribal cultures that are virtually extinct mm-hmm. because they circled <laughs> to be accused of being racist. They circled the wagons and wouldn't share and they died out. Yeah. It just straight up. You mm-hmm. build those walls. Guess what happens? There's a reason Latin is a dead language. It's not because people don't want to learn it. It's because they just. Because the Romans were dicks. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> the, the Romans were basically 2022 generation asshole kids that got yeah. offended by everything. Um, <laughs> the only thing good that came out of, you know, the the Roman culture was. Um, Assassin's Creed. Uh, sewage, <laughs> sewage lines, <laughs> sewage lines, that's, aqueducts and sewer lines. Yeah. Aqueducts and sewer lines. That's about it. Um, <laughs> economics, politics, all that. You can have that horseshit. Fuck all that noise. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's literally the only thing I can see positive that came out of the rolling culture. <laughs> Is that sad? Am I wrong? Well, I mean, uh, the civilization wouldn't have developed without the adversity that the Romans created. Civilization, yes, but I'm talking about what actually helps us today in a positive way. Economics just like don't. Politics just like don't. <laughs> <laughs> board feet does. Board feet. Okay, that's another one. Board feet because that came that came out of that. Um, <laughs> totally forgot about that one. That one just went woo. I guess Miles, Miles, that's another one. I forgot about that one. So, yeah, three things, four things. <laughs> Somebody's going to be offended uh, by that we one. Just, we just boiled down thousands of years of civilization <laughs> to four items that were beneficial. <laughs> yes, my ham says they, did, they built better roads. Yes, their road construction was... And still is uh, second to none. Well, that's part of the aqueduct system, too, because they couldn't yeah. do the roads without the aqueducts and the sewer system. So, again, aqueducts and sewer system. <laughs> I'm going to fucking hell if there is one. Uh, for those that don't know, I don't do the religion thing, so I don't know if there is or there isn't. But if there is, I'm going. <laughs> we'll meet you there. Oh, shit. So, um, right the wheels on the bus. <laughs> right, <laughs> toot, toot, motherfucker, we driving full head. <laughs> there is one thing I want to get out of the way because I know uh, this is one of Oink's pastimes. Uh, Wallace and Larson. So, <laughs> what? Okay, first off, before we go anywhere, let's not do the personal thing. Let's, not, you know, our personal. Oh my God, fuck him! Kind of because we know where we stand on this one. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, Bubba Wallace and is it Nick Larson? Kyle. Kyle Larson. I don't know why I said yep. Nick. Where the fuck did Nick come from? <laughs> it's his cousin. <laughs> He's recent midget or some shit. I don't know. It might be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, Bubba Wallace and uh, Kyle Larson had a wreck this past Sunday. Yes. 
And I know you probably watched it, right? Do you want to tell us about it? And then we'll discuss it a little bit. Well, I was watching it and, you know, <laughs> they went three wide in the corner. Larson dove into the corner, obviously, uh, being aggressive. It's NASCAR, you know, it's for the championship, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he dove into the corner, made it three wide. And then uh, the middle car kind of backed out. I think it was Harvick, backed out of it. And, of course, he kind of drove Bubba up to the wall. Well, Bubba on his own, he wasn't touched, hit the wall, bounced off the wall, and ran into Larson. No big deal. It continued on. Well, then all of a sudden, it was just a sharp dive, in my opinion, of fucking uh, Bubba retaliating and hitting Larson at, you know, 170, 175 miles an hour and causing a wreck, which took out one of the championship contenders, uh, Christopher Bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was you know, knocked out of the playoffs. Now, so, long story short, it was, I mean, it was simply it was a retaliation move. But the whole interview afterwards is what kind of fucking did me in. Now, I haven't seen the interview. I did see the crash, the leading up to the crash and the aftermath of the crash. <laughs> um, what do you, has any penalties been put on either of the racers yet? Do you know, or? Uh, he was suspended for one, one race, I believe. Wallace so, was or Larson. Yeah. Wallace. Okay. Yeah. Nothing happened to Larson. I mean, Larson took the high road the entire way because yeah. anyway, long story short, after the wreck, you know, Bubba's what, maybe 200 yards, if that. Mm-hmm. maybe a hundred yards away from where both cars were wrecked and sitting on the field. He gets climbs out of his car and makes a beeline straight for Kyle Larson. Yeah. And of course, you know, you got track officials there and everything else trying to pull uh, Larson out of his car, get, make sure everybody's all right. Like they're supposed to do. And then the next thing you know, Bubba just comes up and starts shoving Larson and, you know, trying to antagonate a fight basically. And Larson is just backing away, walking away every time. So, and then you got the track officials there, you know, one lady is just sitting there saying, Hey, help me, you know, get, they're shoving each other. Well, no shit, lady, step in between them. I mean, that's your fucking job. Right. But yeah. Bubba um, in his hot head, you know, walks away after the whole shoving incident and starts walking across the field towards the, the pit area. And you got an actual NASCAR official there telling him, Hey, after a wreck, you're supposed to hop in a mandatory ride to the infield care center. And he basically almost shoves the fucking official as well. At least I, thought he was getting ready to shove him, but he tells him basically to back the fuck off. I'm pissed and walks to the infield care center, which again, when you got cars traveling still on the track and even could be going up and down pit road, you're not supposed to be walking in the infield. Well, they made a rule about that a while ago, didn't they? That you have, if you, if you, even though you could walk, you have to be taken to the care center no matter what. Yep. So long story short. Yeah. He was just being a little bitch. Well, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I I'm not going to inject my uh, personal thoughts because I think we all know where that'll go. Um, but I've seen so many people, you know, oh, Bubba didn't mean it, and, and I've watched it a hundred times by now, and I don't know what NASCAR's data says because if you don't know the the cars literally have data systems in them basically and they can see if Bubba gunned it and done this that or the, if it was intentional on Bubba's part um but it was <laughs> there's no two oh, yeah. ways about I mean you can yeah, watch yeah, I mean, it even in the in, even in the interview you know he said you know well my steering must have gave out and maybe yeah. dive down of course shit I, that's not <laughs> steering giving out I don't get no, he no. would have hit the wall if that was the fucking case it wouldn't have yeah. banked left um but yeah I think I'd seen uh Junior he him and uh what's the guy on the podcast fuck I can't think uh, of his name now I know you know who I'm talking about but uh anyway I've seen them talking about it and I was like, oh, man, it's 
I, I got to side with Junior on this one, except for, you know, I, I think the penalties should all be on Wallace. Because Larson, if like you said, when they were three wide and what's his name? Uh, was it Harvick? I, I think it was Harvick and backed out. He just, yeah. Yeah. He's like, nope. I don't think people understand when you're three wide going into a turn at over 170 miles an hour, somebody that's in the middle moves. There's a draft that hits both cars. Well, one of those cars is going to go inward. It's it's just automatic. And that's basically what happened to Larson. And he can't, he keeps it away from Wallace the whole time, which props to him for that. Cause I've seen a lot of cars and they don't keep them away. <laughs> and then Wallace, I guess he's just, look, I don't know what it's like to drive at over 170 miles per hour on a fucking oval track. I don't fucking know, but it looks like he got nervous, went too close to the wall and blamed it on Larson. That's what it looked like because he comes back down so fucking quickly. And I'm like, your shit didn't give out, dude. You would have hit that fucking wall if that's the case. (laughs) Yep. Well, the sad thing, like I said, you know, it wasn't just putting their own lives at risk. There's other Mm -hmm. drivers that were around him at the time. Yeah. And, you know, to take somebody out that was in the actual hunt for the championship, that was even a a shittier move. And it was actually, I think, uh, another Toyota teammate. I mean, granted, I don't think they were on the same uh, team as as far as, you know, Bubba and 23XI racing or whatever the hell they are now. But uh, Mm -hmm. still, you know, to take out a a so-called, whatever the hell, Teammate, you know, Toyota yeah. teammate yeah. is his horseshit, you know, so especially if he's in the championship too. So, and it was, like I said, it was, it was just a straight up dick move in my opinion. And, you know, retaliation at 170 with a vehicle, that's to me, that should have been something a little bit more serious than just a one race suspension. I mean, he should be fucking mm-hmm. penalized until next year and, and not even be able to run and contend for the championship points. I mean, we've seen this time and time again in NASCAR, they usually get, pretty hefty fines, like a hundred G and, and I think now if I'm not mistaken, it's points and a, and a monetary fine, but well, yeah, I mean, I like, tell you get more, I think more of a suspension from a loose tire coming off the damn car than, mm-hmm. than what Bubba got for fucking wrecking somebody just now. So, right. And, and I, yeah. that's, that's another thing that really bothers me about this whole situation. Cause if the roles had been reversed, Larson would be getting fucking a up right now. And I'm not trying to say they're playing sides, However, they are taking it in a completely wrong manner as far as penalties is concerned with who they're dealing with. And I think we all know why, because he did have that documentary, which is I watched and was complete bullshit. It was on Netflix and I watched it. It was free. I didn't have to pay for it. But <laughs> um, I watched it. Started- and- what two years ago when they when they said it was mm-hmm. a, the noose that was in the his noose. fucking yeah, yeah and, was in his fucking stall and it wasn't right and and then I think ever since then he's just been trying to ride the coattails of that so to speak and I I don't think that's right whether NASCAR does find him and hit him with points I don't know I think they should personally because they would any other driver. And I think oh, yeah. they definitely should him. And like you said, I think if not the f- the rest of the full season, at least the rest of the, the 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 next few weeks, it shouldn't be a one week type of suspension. But whatever. Yep. We got a lot of people listening now because we're talking NASCAR. They must their ears must have been. <laughs> but uh, we're moving away from that topic now. Um, <laughs> But now I don't know shit about rednecks turning left. 
Right. Um, but now we are going to move into some stuff uh, really quick before we do. Doug, I got a question for you, sir. Yep, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Don't fell asleep. <laughs> I was going to say you fell asleep with a NASCAR. <laughs> but, um, Don't worry, that's what I do too, and I usually play it back. <laughs> could you remind us and everyone that's listening uh, what you done when you were serving? As much as little as I could and get away with it. Oh, wait, no, you meant... <laughs> <laughs> I wore that sham shield for a long time. Knew <laughs> where a lot of broom closets were. Back into the motor pool. I, okay. Um, started off field artillery, um, then uh, changed over to infantry. Did a little stint in recruiting. Um, had a little little time at an RSG, and then uh, regional support group. Okay. Then so back to the infantry and then finished up at what's called the Joint Force Headquarters, which is where that Army National Guard and the Air National Guard come to the, come together up at the top for any given state, in my case, Arizona. But that's where I finished up at Joint Force Headquarters. Okay. So I guess it's safe to say, and I'll let Oink speak after I answer this, after everybody else answers this, Oink. For <laughs> Doug, JJ, Wardog, and myself, we've at least had some sort of quote-unquote combat train, correct? Yes. To the degree that Navy... Okay, okay. Yeah, we we were taught to fight the ship. Right. What about you, (laughs) Oink? No, I mean, it's Chair Force, come on. You get the the pre-deployment stuff to where, you know, you go and you play fucking war games and shit, and, (laughs) you know, but there's nothing, no. Look, I'm asking because this is is actually a serious topic. Um, We're going to have our our jokes, Um, but... I'm, I'm going to tell you all, tell you all about it. And then we're going to talk about it. We're just, we're just going to discuss it. So, uh, Joe Rogan spoke to two Navy SEALs, uh, Mike Sorrell and Andy Stamp or Stump. And Rogan mentions that, uh, Stump start, uh, that, uh, Jesus fuck, that the high level of training in the military is becoming too difficult, right? So Rogan asks him this, uh, uh about this. And Stump basically goes through, you know, basic training, starts with CS gas, and he discusses that. Um, And that's why I asked you, Oink, about the Air Force, because he was like, I don't know no. if the Air Force does this or not. So well, you know, and, you. a lot has changed in the last whatever, 20 fucking th- almost 30 years now that mm-hmm. I've been in. When I went through basic training, it was six weeks and there was nothing. I mean, you didn't have a chamber yeah. where you went in with wearing a gas mask, take it off and and say anything that didn't happen right matter of fact we had a one-day confidence course i mean it was really basically marching and some pt and some it was real basic stuff i mean that's what what can you squeeze into six weeks in all reality right so when rogan after rogan asked you know is is the military training too difficult uh stop goes on to basically say it's supposed to be difficult it's supposed to suck it's in a controlled environment and yes, it does suck. And he says the first time you should experience that type of uh, quote unquote explosiveness, I can't remember the words he says, uh, it shouldn't be in a combat zone. Uh, so they go on and they talk for like 15 or 20 minutes about this whole thing. And it basically comes to uh, they mentioned that uh, this meaning the SEAL training as is the military itself 
here in America is volunteer based, right? You're not forced to join the military and you're not forced to join any special team, whether it's the SEALs or the Rangers or anything. But any extra team you do decide to join or try out for, it's it's all volunteers. So I should also note that he mentions some have died during training and he does say that he hates that. He doesn't want anybody to lose their life. Um, but they basically end the discussion by saying that training become uh, is becoming exceedingly safe. We're not serving people, i.e. the soldiers that are trying out for these teams and the military and whatnot in that training. If we're making it safer, i.e. not as egregious, if you will, um, we're not preparing them for basically what the battlefield's going to, what, what, what's going to happen on the battlefield. Um, Surreal then mentions that China is trying to make their soldiers more masculine while we here in America are doing the exact opposite. And it's been a huge political back and forth. And that military is basically a playground for progressive policies. Uh, and there's a lot more to it. I'll post the link for the video in the description of the podcast. But I say all that to ask Doug, since he's newly retired, what your thoughts are on training in the military, whether it's basic training or any other type of training that prepares you for the combat field. Is it becoming too safe? So we got to look at it from a couple of different approaches. So the, the short answer is yes, it, it has gotten a lot safer which takes the realism out of it. So then we got to ask ourselves, why is that? There are only so many hours in a day, Mm -hmm. days in a week and in a month. And they want to constantly push new requirements on whatever your particular field is, right? Whether you were in the infantry, whether you were in the artillery, whether you were in one of the other branches of the service, not the army, all this same stuff is coming down where the military is conforming more to a societal standard instead of saying, we are not society, we are the protectors of society. We can be held to a higher standard than society, but we have to recognize when we should be different. Where am I going with this? Let's just take that controversial topic of transgenderism right now, right? How much training time did my infantry soldiers lose because they had to sit through transgender training? How many transgender soldiers did I ever lead? Zero. But I have hours and hours and hours of training all about transgenderism. So that makes my infantry soldiers less combat ready. So that's one aspect of it. Another way we have to look at it is when we are reducing the danger in training, is it worth it? In some cases, the answer probably is yes, because whatever that risk might be in a real world situation is so low that why do we want to make that risk so high in a real world situation or in a training environment? So sometimes it makes sense. So let's take, for instance, there's it, it's been around for quite a few years now. Um, 
we called it the heat trainer. I don't remember heavy equipment. At any rate, they took very, uh, like a Humvee, um, an MRAP vehicle, and it's it's basically a giant cage that spins around, but it's in the shape of that vehicle. Everything is very yep. real to that vehicle. Yep. You get you get in this thing. The the instructors lock you in. Um, then they spin this thing around and around and around and around. And then they'll stop it either upside down or on its side. And you got to figure your way out. Just just so everybody understands, Doug, that's usually for rollover training, right? It, it, it's exactly for rollover training. That's because exactly I think we had it at NTC, if I'm not mistaken. And there was like, it was it was basically a Humvee chassis without wheels <laughs> on, right. a, on, a spit, on a Spitfire for like a pig. That's basically what yeah. it was. Or, yeah, it's it's on some sort of spindle, you know, where the thing can rotate a full 360 degrees like a log, right? So you so simulate you're rolling down a hill or or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever got in one of those things, it was fun. It was like getting almost like in a roller coaster, right? Yep. And spinning around, we're laughing, we're having a good time. Then they started making it more real where they actually had, they were foam, but they had simulators uh, made out of foam of your ammo cans, mm-hmm. of uh, fire extinguishers, different things that would be bouncing around in that vehicle. Now, do I need to be hitting the head even with my ACH on with a real ammo can to know, hey, I need to keep this strap down better? Or can I get hit in the head with the foam one and still get that same training value out of it? I would argue the foam one did its job. Yeah. I didn't need to be hit in the head with a metal one, but by God, we definitely realized, Hey, this shit needs to be strapped down a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so when we look at it, like we, we got to look at it from multiple perspectives and then ask ourselves, what can we actually control out of this? Mm-hmm. Um, I think again, if we are going to reduce the danger in training, because we have determined that the danger really isn't that high in a combat zone, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I get extremely frustrated when I have to lose valuable training time for something that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Again, going back to transgenders, did I really need that many hours of training that took away from infantry training to find out that we still, of all these hours that we've gone through, we don't have one single transgender soldier? Right. Or at least not in any of the units that I was in. I shouldn't say there aren't any. Obviously, yeah. there are. Right. But there weren't any in the units that I was in. Well, let me ask you about this. How do you feel about live fire runs? I uh, So it depends on how it is. So so first, let's talk the, the obvious annual weapons qual. Right. Yep. Annual weapons qual does not prepare you for anything other than to put a badge on your uniform. Yeah. Right. There's there is nothing <laughs> realistic about an annual weapons ball. There's no interlocking fire. You're up there shooting by yourself. You're proving how good you can shoot a non-moving target. Right. Some of us are great at it. Some of us suck, you know, whatever. But it's not realistic at all. Mm-hmm. However, when we would actually get to do our live fire ranges where we were shoot, move and communicate. Yeah. Definite value in those for sure. Okay. Now, 
Can I, uh, I want to throw something. I want to throw a little bit of a wrench into this. Now, granted my experience specifically shipboard was back in uh, the mid to late two thousands. But at that point in time, the Navy was consolidating a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So for example, my rate, I was a journalist. They merged journalists, photographers, mates, lithographers, mates, and draftsmen into one, oh, uh, in, into one rating. And the majority of the training to perform the duties of that rating, journalists had, and the other ratings didn't. Mm-hmm. So we had uh, the challenge in either either training those, those sailors who didn't sign up for that job or attrition. And um, fleet-wide, we were going through ratings. I mean, I swear during probably between 2006 and 2009, if I remember correctly, there were like 12 or 13 ratings mergers. And what what ended up happening is you had sailors wearing a badge that said, this is the job they do, that were not trained to do that job, but were expected to do that job. We're expected to do that job more often, and we're expected to do that job with less, less personnel available. And um, I think that began to come to, to its inevitable fruition uh, a few years back when we had all those ship collisions in the Pacific Fleet. When you keep taking away personnel or making personnel do what they're not taught to do, mm-hmm. and then you put them in situations where at sea, you're essentially always on a combat fitting footing. Because you never know when something's going to catch on fire. We got trained to fight the ship. We got trained to maintain ship systems so that the ship could function and launch launch aircraft on an aircraft carrier, regardless of what was happening inside the shell. You know, we could have an engine room on fire and still be lobbing jets at the coast. Um, so you have less people with less specific training to do their jobs. Uh, no training to do a different job that got shoved in their laps and then uh, no experience at the job they're supposed to be doing because they weren't trained to do it. They were just told, this is what you do now. And we saw that in the Pacific fleet with all those collisions where people just were not trained and were not prepared because the Navy in its wisdom decided they didn't need those other jobs or they needed to consolidate it so they could do more with less people. And that was a problem throughout my Navy career from 1996 through 2011. One of the biggest complaints of all the sailors were we have to do more and more and more, but we have less and less people to do it. And 16 hour workdays were just normal. That's just, you know, 16, 18 hour workdays, four hours sleep back at it. That was just how we lived. And it was, it was dangerous. Yeah. And that's, and, and, that's and, not bullets flying at you. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, air force too, you know, like I said, the time I was in, it, it definitely changed because prior to that, you know, they had the old SAC tack and Mac days, you know, to where the strategic air command, they went through a lot more, uh, you know, exercises and what have you than what we did as just, you know, ACC air combat command or, you know, PACAF, you safety, all that kind of thing. So obviously things change over time. So don't get me wrong. The time I was in, it was pretty fucking, it was pretty lax. Don't get me wrong. Yes, we did wear the Kim gear and play the war games and stuff like that, but it was, it was a joke. I mean, in all reality, you know, it, the training was unrealistic. And that was, I think that was the thing I, I didn't like the most about it is that, you know, you went through this stuff for two weeks. And it was based off of, you know, being slimed, being chemically attacked. Well, mm-hmm. 
Lord knows, I think if anybody chemically attacked the United States, granted, we should be trained on how to wear the suits and stuff like that. But if it shit hit the fan and they actually hit us with chemical weapons to where, you know, there's slime on our equipment, we would, I think we'd be retaliating rather quickly on that. Yeah. And I also want to ask Doug and Wardog about this too, because I don't know how much experience you guys had with this because I came, I, I came in, I had some, my, my Iraq training where they were qualifying us for all types of weapons. Um, they, they done the simulators and then you done the live fires. Personally, I think the only good thing the simulators do is getting you acquainted to a weapon, whether it's a 240 or a 50 cal or, or what have you. And it doesn't really give you that real world feel as far as firing it and using it in a, in a combat situation. How did, did you guys ever have that at all or? Uh, Warhide, you want to go first and then I'll jump in or you want me to go first? Uh, uh, I'm, I have a real short answer, but yeah, I totally agree. It just familiarizes you with the weapon system. Would you rather have the live fire rather than the simulator or would you rather have the simulator to familiarize yourself with it and then actually use the live fire to get acquainted in a combat situation per se? Yeah, I'd, I'd like both. I'd like the simulator first and then live rounds. Okay. And, and I would, I would agree with that. And then, so here's where we got to, we have to recognize when our, when our generations are changing, mm-hmm. right? So we're the, we're the old guys now. And we remember our old NCOs when we were those young privates and airmen and our, our NCO saying, Oh, you guys have it so much easier than we ever did. Right now. <laughs> we're those guys saying that. Yeah. So yeah. we, we have to recognize though with, with technology, these young soldiers and airmen, they know how to push buttons better than we do. We have to accept that that is true. But we still have to take that knowledge out of our brains and teach them how to do it on the ground. Mm-hmm. So when we do use this new technology with these various simulators, whether it's a um, like there's a lot of them out there now that we're using for mounted uh, situations where it, you can pick your specific vehicle. It knows like what speed that vehicle would actually travel at over different types of train. These things have gotten is very, very detailed as to what they can actually do. So if you put the soldiers or, or sailors, airmen, whatever, in those simulators first, it's something they understand. It's that video game technology that they grew up with and it builds that confidence. Yeah. Then when we throw them in that real vehicle out there with an old guy like us yelling at them, they <laughs> they have that that okay, I can get this rather than just being completely lost because they've never driven anything without using their two thumbs tapping yeah. on a screen. You know, I like well, the sad thing is is that a lot of I won't say young new airmen, I call them kids nowadays, but yeah. the newer airmen, there's actually a handful that are coming into the military with no driving experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even right. a driver's license. Oh, we had a couple of those too. And it, 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 it astounded me. I was like, you've never been inside a fucking driver's seat. Like, are you, what? Um, yep. What I liked about when I was in and we were trained for Iraq, it was that transitional period. We were getting simulators and we still had old school, right? We still had to, we had to learn nuts to butts. 
If you don't know what nuts to butts is, you're standing in the <laughs> defect line as close as you fucking possibly can be to one another. We we had the, both mentalities, which I love. Whereas now, I think personally, and Doug, please correct me if I'm wrong, it's a little more lax on the nut to butt routine and more towards the simulator. And not in a bad way, but not in a fully good way either. I I would argue that that would be up to the leadership of that particular unit or element in what they are doing. I know for, for, uh, again, I can only speak for the the infantry companies that Mm -hmm. I was in, but we, I felt like we had a pretty decent balance between simulator time and, and real world training or, or I should say like actual in the field hands-on training doing it right so um so yeah i i I could see a a unit commander first sergeant um being so overly tasked with so much stuff that they say okay the only way we're going to hit these benchmarks is to put our joes in the simulator and then we've hit our benchmark and now we got to move on to the next nine hundred thousand things that's coming down from high but if if that leadership can can argue their point in saying you are losing training value by only giving us simulator time and and convince whoever that higher command is that we need to actually be in the field doing this for real you know you see what i'm saying that it becomes mm-hmm. a leadership issue i don't want to blame it on technology yep. i want to blame it on the people that can't balance that time right do and again, f- when you're that when you're that new commander, that can be really, really difficult. Yeah. You know, you, you had your PL time, whatever, but now now there's so much more expected of you. Again, you're probably only in your late 20s at that point, maybe mid 20s. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of experience, depending on who your first sergeant is, saying, "Hey, sir, come here. Let, let's go talk offline over here and try and get that commander straightened out." If he's got a good first sergeant that can do that for him and he's got to be willing to listen right he can't mm-hmm. come in with this attitude well i was this awesome person in rotc so i know everything about what i'm doing right you got to have that good command team um, ability to work with each other so i think a lot of these issues really comes down to personalities and then being able to really articulate why it is you need to do what you need to do right now we also got to understand everything always comes down to money, right? Yeah. So then the military has bought these damn simulators. <laughs> well, by God, they're going to want to see their hours on them. Yeah. And see that they're getting their money's worth. So you're going to get forced to use the simulators to a to a certain degree. Yeah. But again, that would be up to that NCO to to really get in there and say, okay, we, we have to do this. We're going to do this, but let's make it valuable training. Well. Let me ask you all this. As far as quote unquote special teams, and I'm going to use SEALs as my go-to. Certain training has been brought up like water training. And I think we all know what type of water training you get in the SEALs. Either we've heard it, we've seen it, or we know somebody who's been through it. Um, How do you guys feel about that? becoming quote-unquote safer personally i don't think there's too many ways you can simulate that what outside of being underwater 
I don't know if there is a way. If there is, somebody please come tell me. But I know that's okay. another big yeah. issue that's been brought up in the recent, you know, months or years about training is the water training for SEALs and, and other special teams. Yeah. The, the Army's got a, an equivalent. The Army has divers, too, and they mm-hmm. do the same training. Drowned proofing is the place where we, uh, the SEALs, have most of the casualties is is yep. is water training. Here's the problem. Navy SEALs is a very, very specific combat mode. Yep. What they do is extremely specific. Yep. And probably what the general public understands is what SEALs do, having seen it in movies, probably doesn't even begin to touch the kind no. of shit those guys do. No, no. They do some... Some, I mean, it's not an exaggeration when you read about Carl Hathcock, who was a Marine Corps sniper, spending a day crawling three inches an Jeez. hour in yep. a field to, to make a – that's real. That yep. happens. And SEALs are trained to do that or swim underwater up, a, up an estuary to get to, you know, a, an entrance to a facility or something. I mean, they're trained to do all this very, very specific, very, very – dangerous stuff and there's there's a line i think and and i can take i can relate this directly to my experience in firefighting shipboard firefighting we spent most of our time pretending things were burning literally sailors standing with a red flag waving it around with a yellow one stuffed in their back pocket Mm -hmm. so when you when you hit him with the hose quote unquote because you're never going to actually activate a hose and hit a guy because it'll blow him over you know but when you quote unquote hit him with the hose he whip out the yellow flag saying it's cooling and then the white flag saying it's smoke right we we had we didn't have we couldn't light the ship on fire so we had to pretend the ship was burning i i have three solid years on the john f kennedy of training to put out pretend fires and three solid years on the Abraham Lincoln pretending to put out fires. Do you know when my best firefighting training was? Was when I was uh, appointed to the damage control training team and they sent me to structural firefighting school in Seattle at a facility specifically designed to teach me to put out actual fires. And they lit that shit on fire and we had to use our breathing apparatus. We had to use it. I learned more in three eight hour days mm-hmm. actually fighting real fires. Then I learned in six years of simulated training. Right. Unfortunately, especially when you get to do something as specific as, specific as what Navy SEALs do, there's a point where you cannot alleviate the danger. Nothing we had, exactly, when we yeah. were doing the firefighting training at the facility, it was as safe as they could make it, but you still could get burnt. Yeah. It was still hot. It was still, you know, and, um, at at some point, the more warfare specializes, the less safe you can be. Just to be to be to give those warfighters training realistic enough to be able to actually do the job. Well, I, I was, thinking, I I was actually thinking about this the other day. Did you ever have to hold up the the at the range, hold up the green the green uh, targets and pull them down? Uh, no, with bullets flying over your head. Okay, because I've talked to soldiers who have and combat soldiers, combat veterans who have, and they said that that where they were getting shot in their direction and there were ricochets flying all around them while they were doing that was scary as hell. 
but nothing prepared them for actually being shot at overseas like that did. Yeah. There is a point where simulations can only get you so far and they can help develop the muscle memory. But when there's actually something flying at you that could kill you or so hot enough that it could burn you, you can't simulate that. Well, whether it's the sappers, the sills, the firefighting, the rangers, whatever, what people lack the understanding of is you have to train your body to understand the adrenaline. And that's what a lot of this training is doing, whether it's live fire or uh, the drowning or whatever. Your body, your brain is learning, okay, well, I've been in this situation before, and then muscle memory kicks in like JJ was talking about. And a lot of people, civilians mainly, don't understand that, and they will never understand that. Um, I, I have to agree like there is some things you cannot simulate and it's not a good idea to simulate. Um, I think I get that kind of training, but the training that I hate the most is a typical annual training of records management, you know, or firefighting, watching a video, watching a video, you know, yeah. It, yeah, watching a video That's by PowerPoint. Now yes, that kind it, of training is a waste of fucking. Yeah. And they just switched over to a new system here on the base that I'm at up here in, in Alaska. And they lost all of our certificates of training oh, from previous years. You know how many so times I've heard re- that? <laughs> yeah. So we had to reaccomplish all this fucking useless training. I'm sorry. That's what exactly what it was. I don't give a fuck rat's ass about records management. I'm pretty sure that's not going to get the aircraft off the fucking ground at this point, you know, or, you know, de-iced at that point, you know, it, it was just it, it, that type of training, the PowerPoint training, that shit needs to go. I'm sorry. Yeah. There comes a point know. in time where it's, it's okay to teach them, you know, general stuff like, you know, don't discuss classified information, you know, when you're out and about on town, well, no shit. You know, if that should be divorce, almost common sense. But. If we could divorce training to do the job from the bureaucratic training. Yeah. If we, if there, if there was a way to wrench those apart and, 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 you know, Doug, you said something that was very, uh, um, kind of poignant. It said that rather than the military being set to a higher standard outside of society, which I feel it should be. I mean, the whole point of the military is that the, as the, is that the common is the, the civilian, the, the American citizen doesn't know what it is that we do mm-hmm. to make sure that they're safe. That's the whole point. Yeah. The whole point is that we're the people who stand in the way. So you don't have to see how ugly things are out in the world. And if, and, uh, so for the military to be conforming to the society rather than maintaining that separation is maybe not the best idea. But at the same time, the military is where desegregation happened first. Yeah. And it was this great social. I, I mean, I remember reading about it and, and uh, you know, they taught us about it during basic during the history classes about desegregation in the Navy and Dory Miller. And, you know, they taught us about this and the military really was functioned as a, as the melting pot and the, the social experiment that proved that segregation was a lie. Yeah. And that was important. And we would not as a society be where we are today if, and that aspect, the military had not conformed to, or maybe even reshaped society. 
So I'm I'm going to tell you my experience, and I, I know some of you've heard it, but just so like Doug understands and people who've never listened understands, I was a 92G, which is a cook essentially. Um, but we, my unit was a support unit and we self-sustained ourselves in Iraq twice. And I was on the second tour. What many people don't know is that when you self-sustain yourself as a national guard unit is you've got to have a QRF, a quick reaction force. You've got to have your quote unquote infantry. You've got to have your, your mount training and all that. And everything that a, a, a Marine would learn, right. That would go in and clear a room. We had to learn and we had to do that. And the best training that I've had was not simulation, although it did familiar, it did help familiarize me with the 240 and the 50 cal and all that. But it was the live fire runs. It was the, okay, this is going to fuck me up if I don't watch my six, right? If my battle buddy doesn't watch where they point their fucking rifle, I'm going to fucking get my head blown off. Like, that's probably the, I know it's not probably, it is the best training I had. And we had the simulation grenades go off. We had the simulation claymores go off when we busted through a fucking door and didn't fucking check it first. Like, that was honestly the best training. And I don't think, personally, that you can substitute that adrenaline rush with anything else. Even in paintball, paintball was just fucking fun. It wasn't training. We were having fucking fun. But when you have live rounds in that magazine and you're going to clear a building and you've got four other guys behind, three or four other guys behind you, and you're going in and you're shooting real targets, and there might be a simulation grenade on that other side, it might be a simulation but that will fuck your world up in a fucking heartbeat. I know <laughs> I've lost hearing for one. Um, and then the rollover training as fun as like Doug was saying, it was that really did open your eyes to, okay, this is some serious shit and I need to get my head together. Cause after that first one, you're laughing, you're ha ha. And, and yeah, it, it's like a roller coaster, but then you realize, Oh shit. We're upside down. The doors don't open this way. We've got to figure out how the fuck to get out of here. And they, I think it was what, 15 seconds? Cause I think that's what they done. If they, they put you in the scenario. If you roll over and you, you're, you're Humvee or, or whatever you're in lands in like a, a lake or something, right? And you've got 15 seconds to get out before the entire vehicle's filled up, which I think is way, way longer than what it would actually be considering the weight of a fucking Humvee and everybody in it. Um, but yeah, it, I don't think there's really too many substitutes for that adrenaline rush. Am I wrong? Well, here's it. So here's uh back in 1996, when I went through basic, I went in December in Chicago and it was so cold when it was time for us to do. Keep talking. Uh, I've got a piss. CS gas, the CS listen, gas chamber. Listen, I've got a piss, but keep talking. Oh, okay. After you finish, Doug <laughs> so, can take over. Uh, all right. So when it came time for us to do the CS gas chamber, which at that point in time, I don't know if they still do it at Great Lakes, but at the time they did, it was 30 below. So we couldn't. It was too cold. Well, in the same uh, same vein, 
we had a helicopter fuselage crash simulator, just like the the Humvee, the rollover simulator did the same thing. You got in it, strapped in, it tumbled you a few times and then dumped you in the pool and it started to sink. And it was to simulate a, a crash in a helicopter and how to get out alive. It, again, it was too cold, so we couldn't do it. So here's where the factor was, and this was back in 1996, for safety reasons, you were unable to uh, achieve those training objectives. And because of the schedule and how it moved forward, we couldn't go back and do it. So I went out to the fleet where on my first ship on the John F. Kennedy, I spent probably 300 hours in helicopters over water and never had helicopter immersion training. And by, by, by regulation, I should never have ridden in a helicopter in the first place because I didn't get the training. But ops tempo, safety, thank, thankfully, there was never an incident. There wasn't a crash. I didn't need the training, but I spent so much time in helicopters over water. I never want to fly in a helicopter again, and I never received the training should something have bad have happened. I read the manual, but that's not the same. So, you know, there is a, I mean, does do certain things need to be more safe? Yes. But at the same time, just like with your Humvee rollover training, there's only, you know, you need to do the rollover and then, yeah, having foam uh, uh, representations of ammo cans and stuff rather than actual metal ammo cans. So you do see that, yeah, that needs to be strapped down or it's going to tumble at you. Yeah, absolutely. But you're still you're still rolling and there's still stuff flying. Yep. And due to safety, I didn't get the practical training where at least I would know what, I mean, I knew they told us that we read through the training manual. We, you know, they tell, they told us if this happens, this is what you do, but we never got to actually simulate it. We never got wet. So we never really got to, you know, that whole group that went through basic at that time, none of us got to do it because it was so cold in Chicago, Chicago that winter. Look, everybody needs didn't get to do the swim test. Even civilians, <laughs> even civilians need to fucking take vehicle rollover fucking course. I ain't lying to you. Like that. Well, it wasn't much life. better in February there, JJ, in in, in Chicago area because we left Okinawa and it was seventy degrees. We landed in Chicago. It was negative twenty wind chills, so the white yeah. members that quite well. Yeah, uh, Doug so, and I'm not complete. I mean, I grew up in Alaska, so well, yeah, cold yeah. wasn't an issue. But at the same time, because they made the safe, the decisions to keep the training more safe. We missed some training that could have been pretty vital. Uh, Doug and Wordog. I, I just want to get your thoughts on what we were just talking about. <laughs> Simulation versus, uh, you know, quote unquote, live uh, training scenarios for the combat scenarios. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you know, it's like a porn mag versus sex, you know what I mean? You, you gotta have to go through the real thing, you know what I mean? There it is. Leave it to the Marine. Bring I see him. I see him. Psychord gang. Pulling the heartbeat. Heartbeat optional. <laughs> what about you, Doug? Yeah. Uh, or or go, go ahead, Mordog. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I was just finishing that. Um, yeah, you know, when you're first being introduced to something, yeah, I appreciate the simulation. I do appreciate the technology that goes into it. Um, but, hey, it's like like we just said, nothing prepares you for the real thing except yeah. being there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
You can be a porno fan of the world, but until you actually go all the way, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. And, you know, the only things that I I trained on that I think could stay in a simulation environment was, and these are three systems that I fucking love to this day, is the CPOF, Blue Forest Tracker, and TigerNet. And I think all three of those systems, whether it's in a simulation or a quote unquote live fire scenario, I think it's best served in a room and doing it that way. Me personally, I think you learn more using it then than you would in a live fire scenario. Cause you're not going to give a shit about those systems, <laughs> but that's just me anyway, Doug. So I, I think we're all in agreement that simulators have their place, but they can't take the place of, of real training, of actual hands-on training, going out and doing it. But I want to connect a couple of dots here of things that we, we've all said mm-hmm. and kind of maybe slap ourselves across the face with some reality. So we, myself included, we complained about the training that gets in our way, that keeps us from doing the training that we think we need to be doing. That's not um, one of us, I don't remember which one of us said that the records keeping training, right? Mm-hmm. That was one. And then I brought up, I had brought up, the risk, like if, if the risk in the training doesn't support what's going on out there in the real world, why take that risk? Right. So now let's take it back to JJ's situation. JJ's leadership decided they were not going to put those sailors in the water at that temperature. It wasn't worth it. JJ survived how many years in the military without crashing in the helicopter and landing in the ocean? 15. However, we all One agree. of my sailors was in a crash. But we all agree you should have had that training, but somebody didn't get the proper training in records keeping. Otherwise, they'd have realized your ass never had the training. You couldn't be in the fucking helicopter. Oh, shit. There it is. You've been found. Get the fuck out of here. That's my paper cuts, bitches. <laughs> so then now we have to sit here and analyze well, how do we fix that situation? Mm-hmm. And I. Again, I'm just some old boy out here in Arizona with ideas and an opinion, but I would say if we would focus our training more specifically on the needs of that MOS or that AFSC or that rate, what is it that you actually do? Doesn't mean we can't cross train a little bit into other areas, mm-hmm. but my infantry mm-hmm. soldier does not need to know how to keep records at the same level that a, a 42 Alpha or a, a, an HR soldier does because that's their job just as i don't expect that hr soldier to know battle drill one alpha like the back of their hand i they need to know something right they need to know basic maneuvering in case they get caught up in a situation and the infantry guy is going to grab them and say hey i'm moving you from here to there because bad things are happening you know i expect them to know how to shoot move and communicate to a certain degree but not at the level that my infantry soldier knows how to do it. And I, and I think we've all basically said it. We just with a long roundabout way of saying it. I think whether it's that section, that flight, that uh, brigade, that ship, that unit, I think no matter your MOS and, and like Doug said, some cross training, I think it should be specific to that, that, station that duty station right if if you're let's say jj's not on the ship 
but he's stationed at Okinawa. Okay, well, he doesn't have to learn all these fucking underwater bullshit trainings. But if he's on that ship, yeah, you might want to have a few hours in all this training just to familiarize yourself, right? Am I wrong? I don't know. How, saying yeah, I don't know how it's changed or if it's changed, but um, <laughs> the Navy does warfare qualifications. So I was uh, an enlisted surface warfare uh, special uh, specialist and an enlisted air warfare specialist. And what that meant was I got a certain amount of cross training in multiple systems across the ship that would mm-hmm. qualify me. If someone went down, I could go take the the the, the helm on the bridge and replace that sailor and steer the ship. I had just enough knowledge to be able to follow the commands, push the right buttons, and turn the wheel in the right direction. Um, and likewise with air warfare, I could launch an aircraft off the off the deck. I had just enough knowledge to follow the directions of, an, of a trained officer or chief and push the right button or, or do the right signals. So we had generalized training. But what, like what Doug just said, your your infantry soldier who who uh, you know is out there shooting bullets doesn't need to be able to do paperwork to the same degree oh, no. as your admin soldier, and that's where you know, like with the merger of my rating, the journalist did most of the job of all the all the ratings. So the people who were only tra- trained in the very specific rating rating couldn't do the general job that the journalist did. The photographer's mates was an aviation rate. Um, they got spe- specific training. The whole reason they existed was because back in the day, they had to develop film from spy planes. And uh, so that's where they, they kind of developed on an aviation branch. Well, now that we've gone, dig- gone digital, any- anybody who has a cell phone can process imagery now. So it makes sense that, the, that they just merged that rating. But they had specific training to be on aircraft to take photos that journalists now were expected to do with no training. See, this is the problem is you have specific jobs, you merge jobs, you're trying to consolidate, you're trying to do more with less, but you're not training your personnel to do more. You just expect them to pick it up. And that's where people get hurt. Well, I was a cook with a clearance. I'm just saying. Don't talk about special warfare. Try I, my brownies. I, I had to keep the colonel's secret recipe under wraps. Coming up some spices, bitch. <laughs> nah, seriously, dude. I was the only one other than my E7 that had a fucking clearance. <laughs> they started calling me Secret Chef every time the fucking mess sergeant would walk in. He'd be like, Secret Chef, how you doing today? You doing I was, the armor? It's like, I'm that's great. Like, I can't tell you, Secret Chef. <laughs> yep. I was like, okay, that, that's going to be my name from now on, Secret Chef. And it was. <laughs> Bo has a new call sign, Secret Chef. No, seriously, I I was the, so I I got to my unit, I was a 92G, come to find out my CEO, my CO wanted me as his uh, S2, so they put me in all this fucking training, we get to Iraq, right, we find out we don't have enough cooks for all the fucking manpower that we need to cover the food for, so we bring in some people, Brigade wanted me as their S2, so when my my commander sent me up to our talk to get my supernet account, 
with the master sergeant, he says, anybody ask your 82 mic. If they have any more questions, come talk to me. I was like, all right. So I go to the talk. I sit down with master sergeant, start getting my cipernetic out ready. Fucking XO. He's a captain walks in. The fuck are you doing here? You're a fucking cook. I was like, 82 mics, sir. Any more questions? Go talk or 88 Mike. I was like, any more questions? Go talk to my commander. He's like, Oh, okay. Okay. So he runs into his office and the master, master sergeant's like, you just threw your commander under the bus. I can't believe that. I was like, no, I said exactly what I was supposed to say. He was like, goodbye me. Okay. Let's finish this. So like an exo walks back out, slaps a paper in front of me on master's desk. Cause what the fuck does that say? I was like, uh, 92 G sir. He was like, does it say 88 Mike? Does it? I was like, nope. Go speak with the commander. <laughs> so he goes, <laughs> goes back in his office. I finished getting my Cipernet account. Go back to my talk with my commander. I was like, uh, I think the XO is going to be facing you a visit. He was like, okay. <laughs> the next week, he's in fucking brigade talk arguing. They're trying to get me into their fucking ass too. Commander said, can't do it. I need cooks. Put me into the fucking defect. <laughs> and nobody got me as their S2 in Iraq. <laughs> Talk about politics in the military. I and was in the was middle of it. what was your rank at the time? Uh, I was uh, E4. <laughs> E4, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yep, I I was just a fucking ragdoll, man. And my commander, fucking kid, getting jerked around. Yeah, my commander like stood up for me. He was like, "Nobody is getting him. He's mine. Like you're not." And the reason they wanted me was because when we were in NTC, I fucked up op four in a good way. I completely ruined what they were about to do, and they were just appalled. So they had to get together and hit us at two o'clock in the morning. And the major of S2 wanted me in brigade and my commander wasn't having it. <laughs> so, cause I'd got fucked over at my unit before that. And he didn't want that happening, which look, we all have things we say about our commanders. There's a few things that the commander probably did that I didn't like, you know, when we were in Iraq, but that unit, I, I can't, I can't complain. Commander was absolutely amazing, but yeah, that's, that's my political military story. <laughs> and you said you, you were National Guard at the time or you were active duty? I was in National Guard, but we were in Iraq, self-sustaining ourselves. Right, so you were mobilized, but you were with yeah. a particular state's guard unit. Yeah, So I, I always found this, this interesting mm-hmm. um, when we would work around the actual active duty army, whether we were mobilized or through a training scenario or, or whatever the situation is. I would, I would argue with all of my experience that I've had now, I could take any infantry National Guard unit, put them up against an active duty infantry unit, and that active duty infantry unit is going to blow our doors off all day long, every day, doing straight infantry tactics. Mm -hmm. However, when we actually get deployed, and nothing is exactly how we trained or anything close to what we trained on, I loved being in the National Guard because in the National Guard, in that infantry unit, we do know how to kill you. Maybe Mm -hmm. not quite as good as the active duty knows how to kill you, but we know how to kill you good enough. 
Right. But we can also do your taxes. We can fix your lawnmower. We can give you legal <laughs> advice. We can uh, <laughs> we can fix your car. The Humvee just broke. Hey, don't worry. Joe's a fucking mechanic back home. He knows what he's doing. It's funny. And it just it was such a blessing, and like you didn't realize it until you were caught up in that moment. Like the fucking plumbing broke. Oh, Steve's a freaking plumber. <laughs> don't grab him. So it's actually funny that you say that. And if I can get him on to talk about it, it's grown ass man. He was my XO when we went to Iraq. And when we were in Shelby, we had to do our QRF training and all of that. And we didn't know it, but there was another active duty unit down there. And they were going through the same training as us. Well, they time everybody and they, they just, they basically do it for the record keeping. Well, they did then. I don't know about now, but we went through QRF and a few other live fire things. And when we got back and finished, I think it was like our eighth training event or something. It might've been our 10th, but when we finished the, I don't know what the fuck they call them. It's, it's the guys that tell you what, where the fucking go on the fucking. The OCs. There you go, OCs. I cannot think of that. Anyway, the OCs had come out to talk to us to tell us our evaluations and this, that, and the other. And he's like, I cannot believe I am saying this, but your times are a minute better than any active unit we've had, including the one that's currently here training right now. And I can't tell you how ecstatic we were because you're talking to, like Doug just said, cooks mechanics <laughs> like that's it like you're talking to a whole support unit and we just fucked everybody's world up and apparently you know they they were like yeah we're gonna go back out there and we're gonna do it and do it better i don't know if they did but if i can get him on here to talk about that because he probably still remembers the numbers uh yeah that was that was a, a feel-good moment man <laughs> we none of us had trained for any of that shit right like i knew how to fucking cook for Three, four thousand people at a time. <laughs> I, I didn't know how to shoot from a move. Okay, I did know how to shoot from a moving vehicle, just not the way the army wants you to know. Like, <laughs> you know, that's one thing we didn't have in the navy. The navy has a reserve, but naval reservists are like sixty years old. And <laughs> it, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm. I'm really not. I know. Me. I know. It's just funny the way you naval say reserve. It. It's not like the National Guard. Like there are no state naval National Guards. Yeah. Naval reservists are literally guys who who wanted to keep their hands in it, and you know they have a boat, and you know they they served in 1968 and, and the Gulf of Tonkin, and and so when we get reservists out, they were inevitably older than dirt. Everything blew them away because when they were last on a ship, it was completely different. And it was usually their final on the carriers. It was usually like their final little hurrah before they retired from the reserves. Yeah. And, but the Naval Reserve is just not structured even remotely like the National Guard or the, or the Army Reserves mm-hmm. at all. And um, so we just didn't get to see that experience of uh, essentially jacks of all trade out there side by side with us out at sea. You know, well, I'm so tell you. I got to experience that though with the Navy on my 0708 deployment. Um, so we were one of the PRT missions, the provincial reconstruction team. So, of course, I'm infantry, so I'm there for the, the security portion of it. The Navy provided the engineers, 
the doctors, um, but they also um, provided the um, intel as well as the admin. And I remember our Navy intel guy, Chief Barr, and um, our Navy admin guy, both were Navy reserves. Those dudes were so awesome at their jobs. Like, I mean, I have never sat through an intel briefing better than what Chief Barr did for us. Like, we knew we'd, we'd go in for our briefing before we went on our mission. And then we came back for the debriefing and this dude's math had so many stickies that I'm like, how does he know what any of those are going to mean? And then he would just be rattling off. This is what you can expect in this area. And this is what you can expect on. And like, we knew before we ever got anywhere, man, chief bar already had the Intel with here. You know, of course there's always the, you know, you can't know everything, but I had so much respect for those two guys, so much respect for them. And then, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember what Chief Barr's civilian job was. Might have been something in education. I can't remember. But um, our Navy chief, um, his, his nickname was Chaos. Um, he was a, he was law enforcement. So now he also had a law enforcement background. So if there was questions about, hey, how should we you know, be pulling security here or there? He was another voice of reason that could you know, look at something through experience of, you know, here's how you should probably enter that area over there or whatever from a law enforcement background, which isn't the same as the infantry, but by all means, it, it applies, right? And uh, yeah, so I had a lot of really, really good experience working with active duty Navy and Navy reservists over there. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the reservists I got to meet were, they were great guys, but it just was, at least on aircraft carriers, it might have been different on small boys. You got to understand there are two fleets, the carrier fleet, and the rest of the Navy. <laughs> Actually, there are three because then there's the submarine fleet. They're a whole nother animal. Those motherfuckers are weird. <laughs> Do any of you remember your last uh, qualifying? Range qualifying numbers? Nobody? Uh, did you say qualifying or qualifying? <laughs> I never get to. I definitely had to qualify before. Wow. I remember, I mean, I shot, I shot expert, um, but we didn't qualify the way you guys qualified. We went shot for a ribbon and then unless we were masters at arms or spec war, we didn't shoot guns. I was just asking if you remembered your numbers because I do vividly. <laughs> uh, 107, I think. I mean, no. 15. I don't know. The Dude, reason was, I, the reason I remember three. <laughs> so the reason I remember is we were at Camp Shelby. And we were on um, the range and the whole back was nothing but forest. And I'm talking about where the 400 meter target pops up and it's all green with a green target, meaning that you can't see the green target when it pops up at 400 meters. So I'm like, I'm never going to hit that 400 meter target. And I didn't, but I remember that I got 39 out of 41. (laughs) And then my extra five shots went over to another into the next sector in the cheese range because he had bad eyesight and we were helping him. <laughs> Not even going so there would be one of those uh, there would be one of those changes where we've made things easier. So if you go get on an army on an army um, individual weapons call lane uh-huh. now, 
the targets are all red and blue. I think there might still be some green ones out there, but they're primarily red and blue. They still pop up the same. But I don't know if you're aware of this. And within the last two years, the Army did completely revamp the individual qualification. Mm-hmm. Um, it moves a lot faster once you're actually on the lane, but there's way more steps to get to the actual live fire range. Um, they did try and put some more realism into it where you've got to shoot um, standing supported, standing unsupported, kneeling unsupported, and then prone supported and unsupported, and you have a, a barrier. So it's it's actually a lot more fun to do now. I've only got to do it twice before I retired. But, um, but yeah, so that changed in, in both ways where it became more real with the type of situations they make you fire from. But the colored targets, the first time I saw those out there, I was like, well, that got easier for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine because I remember they were what? They weren't even olive drab and they reflected the sunlight so fucking yeah. badly. Oh, my God. <laughs> they look like potted plants when they popped up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did do I do remember there was one range that we done standing but for straight up qualifying we done prone supported unsupported and then kneeling um supported on your knee basically because we, we didn't really have, we didn't have anything to support us except for our knee. Because we, we done old school. You you guys remember that? <laughs> Where you just kneel down with your elbow in your kneecap? Yes. I love yeah, that. I remember I that. I don't know why I loved shooting from that position. I don't know why. I, I had I felt like I had more control. And I, I always got perfect with that. Prone, obviously, that's super fucking easy in my opinion. <laughs> I think, I think the hardest one for me to get used to at first was the standing unsupported because I was used to moving and, and doing the double shot, right? Because we had done the mount training and all that. But just standing there unsupported was a whole new ball game for me. I, I don't know why. It wasn't, I think it's just because it was with the M4, to be honest with you. But yeah, so we got half an hour to kill. What you guys want to talk about? <laughs> Penis. So hey, I knew it was going to come back around to Doug to uh, to Doug's penis. <laughs> to yeah. <Mo's> penis. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about mine too. Uh, if you want to talk about my thumb, I, I can really compare it to that. Uh, I always mistake my penis with my thumb when I get a pee. Anyway, anything in the news? Uh, uh, let's not go there, please. I, I think he means Google's news. I don't know if we should do Google's news or not. Um, <laughs> Cause I have a feeling when she comes back, uh, she's going to be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of news. <laughs> At least let me hear her intro. You know, I love to hear her intro. Okay. Well, I do have, <laughs> I do have what I want to talk about. So let's do her intro. And then we'll talk about this one. That's really fucked up. Let me see. Let me find uh, junk in the news. Because I don't remember where I had it. Because it's been so fucking long. It's been that long. Jesus Christ. Okay. And here we go. 
the lot. Hold up. Executive privilege. I'm Fred G. Sanford, and the G is for Guadalcanal. Wanna see my diary? <laughs> well, you were better. That's right. Oh, did you see much action? Well, only on me. <laughs> And now, it's time to find out what super junk is in the news. So I sort of a lot of got to uh, one is from Nevermore and it's fucking hilarious. Just reading the title title reads extremely aggressive in quotations rodeo bull on the loose in North Carolina. He will chase you. <laughs> this, rep- this report is from myfox8.com. It goes on to say an extremely aggressive rodeo bull is on the loose in Stanley County after escaping a stockyard Wednesday, according to the Norwood Police Department. Police said they received a report Wednesday that the bull had escaped from a stockyard on Indian Mount Road. The bull is reportedly chocolate in color and was said to be extremely aggressive, again in quotations. Norwood Police said residents should call 911 immediately if they spot the animal. Authorities said not to approach the bull. He will chase you, police said. He probably got into the local moonshiner still. <laughs> I need to send that to Betsy and let her see that because I know she would love that. Um, so I'll see him. I'll see him. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really glad they included the description of the bull because I guess there's a lot of bulls running around that Right. Well, I mean, it is North forward. Carolina, so <laughs> people don't realize how many cow uh, cattle farms there is around here. Actually, there's quite actually a few. there are yeah, there, <laughs> there's a lot of cows in North Carolina. Uh, so this other one, bullshit too, <laughs> right? This other one I want to read. I just find hilarious because it's fucking retarded. I said it. It's fucking retarded. Uh, Manhattan, Manhattan congressional candidate publishes a porn video to oh, highlight his God. sex positive platform. Mike Itkus is running against Jerry Nadler and wants to legalize sex work. This nation has become a fucking parody <laughs> wow. of itself. Look, wow. there's reasons I don't like sex work and there's reasons I'm all for if you want to do it, fucking do it. But I'm going to tell you right now, this is the dumbest fucking publicity stunt by any politician ever. Ever. And they've done some fucked up shit. This one right here has to take the cake. Please prove me wrong. Please, somebody, I'm begging you. So I am am no fan of Jerry Nadler by any... No, definitely not. However... (laughs) Even if I was, I could easily come up with things that somebody opposing him could use a whole lot better than creating their own sex tape. Well, <laughs> I mean, literally, just go any clip of that guy speaking well, and say anything opposite. Okay, how's so, the the Senate going to take this guy seriously when everybody there listening to him in a debate is going to be like, "I'm seeing your dick." Look, you're not going to believe any of what I'm about to read to you. I'm going to read to you the first three sentences. In a grunt for attention, third-party congressional candidate Mike Itkus has released a sex tape to highlight his sex-positive campaign platform. The 53-year-old Army Cyber Operations Officer 
is Ooh. bound to lose to Jerry Nadler in Manhattan's 12th Congressional District. This is the last sentence I'm going to read to you. But he posted the 13-minute video to a popular online porn site of him having sex with porn performer Nicole Sage as a quote-unquote conversation piece, he told City and State New York. What the actual goddamn son of a bitch motherfucking fuck is wrong with people? Is there not an ethics standard for public office that that would just completely fly in the face in? Seriously. I thought there was. I, I thought there was thought too. There was. I mean, apparently not, but. he. Oh my God, you're not going to believe this. Army Intel? Is that what you said? Army Cyber intel? operations. Yeah, basically. Cyber intel. operation. Yeah, they're all perverts. Look, Fucking intel's all perverts anyway. The, the <laughs> caption of the caption. that chief you like, Doug. <laughs> the caption of the screenshot that they used in this article, independent candidate for Congress Mike Ickes, who is running against Jerry Nadler in Manhattan's 12th Congressional District, is pictured in a scene from the porn video, get ready for this, bucket list bonanza. <laughs> of all the names you can name your porn video bucket list bonanza 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 i mean i I, i'm sorry but if things become american politics has become such a fucking lampoon of itself dude you know what i want to do i mean it's it's ludicrous i want to do the monster truck advert for bucket list bonanza (laughs) this saturday at the greensboro coliseum located in north carolina Here comes the money. Okay, so now, now if the Republican loses this race after that Democrat, people totally got split between, okay, we got to go as far left as we can go. Let's get this sex worker in there. No, no, no. We don't want to go that far. Let's keep that look. That vote should be so split that that Republican should win this one. Right? Oh like God. somebody's shoe should win that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then did I don't know see, though. Jerry Nadler's been around forever. Did we'll you guys see, see uh, AOC's town hall meeting where they started shouting AOC? Hell no, AOC must go. Okay, okay, okay. In her okay, district. Okay, listen up. Listen, listen. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, uh, we've, we've been saying for a couple of years that the left is eating itself, and we're actually seeing the left. Eat itself. We really are seeing just the the ultra woke versus the I don't know about this guy is starting to be a divide in the left of itself. And it's just starting to uh, we've had people lashing back against uh, the Antichrist. I mean, anti, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, people- <laughs> Wait, is it safe to say that AOC's Chicano came out during that town hall meeting? AOC's fucking idiot came out. It was wait, like- she, wait, wait. She's also Jewish. I heard that. She's a Jew now, too. So What? You didn't. Oh, well, my God. It's okay. Joe wait, Biden's what? Puerto Rican. So you, you didn't hear that she's now Jew? No, I did not hear that she's now Jewish. Oh, my God. Let me see if I can find this. Everywhere are going. We don't claim (laughs) up. 
so apparently take her back Latinos <laughs> take her back <laughs> apparently she had sent her fucking shit into something I don't fucking know but she ends up saying I knew it I sensed it <laughs> One of the things that we discovered about ourselves is that a very, very long time ago, generations and generations ago, my family consisted of, is it Sephardic Jews? Is that how you say it? Sephardic? S-E-P-H-A-R-D-I-C. Anyway, she says, and the story goes that during the Spanish Inquisition, so many people were forced to convert on the exterior of Catholicism, but on the interior continued to practice their faith, continued to be who they were, even though they were pressured to not be that on the outside world. Like, if that's not the most demeaning thing. <laughs> uh, hey, just let me, uh, let me, um, uh, oh, go, come on, language. Oh, Words she said, are hard. <laughs> she Words said, are hard. Excuse me. In her tweet, she said, before everyone jumps on me, yes, culture isn't DNA. But to be Puerto Rican is to be the descendant of African Moors and slaves. Tyon, is it, is it Taino Indians? Is that how you say it? Taino. Taino. Spanish colonizers, Jewish refugees, and likely others. We are all of these things and something else all at once. We are Boricua, whatever the fuck. Boricua. There you go. I can, that's that's why I didn't know it because I've never seen it spelled out. <laughs> but that's what she said in her tweet. <laughs> so it wasn't even a DNA thing. She just feels it. <laughs> On the one hand, she is presenting a very good argument for the fact that race is a social construct. There's no such thing. Right. But ultimately, we all genetically trace back to the same place. We all bleed the same color blood. You know, um, on the other hand, how uh, <laughs> condescending yeah. could she possibly be? Exactly. How fucking, uh, I mean, it's just like. I don't Let's, know. Anytime I see videos of her speaking, I just want to gouge my eyes out. I can't and, stand her voice. Her and voice toothpicks into my ears. I just, I can't. Her voice is like eating aluminum foil. <laughs> oh, good description. <laughs> or like when you were a kid, if you had metal fillings and you bit, like you actually got a little piece of foil on your bubblegum wrapper and you bit it. Oh my like, God, stop. stop. <laughs> That's the OC. Who's the one that said she's. Uh, got Native American in her. What's that one's name? Elizabeth Warren, aka Pocahontas. Oh, Pocahontas. There you go. There you go. Fuck that bitch too. Fuck them both. They need. Uh, I can't say it on air. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> I better watch what I they say on air. Make, they make ex- they make excessively good arguments for retroactive divor- uh, abortion at uh, two hundred and seventy three. Thousand months <laughs> overnight, well, 2,700 well, months. <laughs> so you said it. No, you said it, JJ. She makes a pretty good description of why, right? But it's so condescending that it's a slap yeah. in the face to people who are actually Jewish or actually from Spanish colonizers. Like, mm-hmm. You well, are I mean, literally Rica, slapping Rico, in everybody's face. Puerto Rico was a Spanish colony, mm-hmm. and the Taino lived there. So obviously, that mix, that blend, that mestizo blend, 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Spanish and, and Taino, and yes, slaves were well, there look, too. So, look, yeah, it's like it's like when, kind of a, a melange of all of that. Yes, it's like when I had my fucking DNA test, and I told Marquis, I was like, "Dude, I've got a lot of African in me. Does that mean I'm a brother now?" And we laughed about it. Like that wasn't me going on Twitter going, "I'm African American." Right? Look at me. Like, right? Like, and I think all of us can agree that making a joke of it with us. Is okay, but going and going, hey, yo, okay, so I got to tell the the whole GV Nation, everybody listening, I, Boner Wood, am African American. <laughs> like, no, that's no. You got short change in the penis department. Right, exactly. <laughs> what's up that's with that, racist. War Dog? Come on, War Dog, what's up with that? <laughs> I'm hey, over here we all know my desk's better than war, bigger than War Dogs. So. What, was, what was that, War Dog? <laughs> Over here screaming from the movie, I'm a star, dog. Give us us free. Give us us free. That's, all. that's what I'm screaming. That's, that's what I thought of, though. I thought of that but, time that I had the DNA test and I had that, uh, I think it was like three or 4% African American. I was like, damn, that's, that's almost as much as Indian and Scottish. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm pretty well equipped at this point. <laughs> I should do what AOC done. Like actually I have a lot more Scottish in me, but anyway, I was like, I mean, there's, you, there's virtue signaling and then there's what she does, which is, Stupid signaling. <laughs> she's, she's Look, this is how stupid I am. Dude, if we still had asylums, she would be the retarded mommy at the top of the fucking building screaming out the window with bars on it. It's, I mean, ugh. Like. I, I, again, I, I have to ask the question of people who are dyed in the world, diehard liberals. Yeah. How can you at this point take the Democratic Party seriously. I mean it. How can you take yourself seriously? Well, I haven't taken any politics, honestly, seriously in a while. Yeah, but I mean, they have become such a parody yeah. of themselves. Well, it's like I it, can't even make jokes about the Democrats or the Republicans anymore or the liberals for that matter because it's all right there. They're doing it themselves. I can no longer make better jokes yeah, than them on right, what yeah. they're doing themselves. I we can't. can't tell better jokes. They're just hilarious. Yeah. I, I, I literally like this is a literal fucking comedic season right now and I can't <laughs> up it. I've tried. Yeah. I, I sit here. You guys, listeners do not understand. I sit here thinking constantly. I can't one up these dumbasses with humor because they're already making it fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's just, it's become so ludicrous that, and, and, you know, if you do a little digging and you do a little research and you do a little reading, the rest of the world is laughing their asses off at the United States of America right now. They are rolling with laughter. And at the same time, it's fucking terrifying because we have a president who is actually said out loud nuclear exchange we haven't heard that since ronald reagan mm-hmm. when he was arguing that that was the worst thing that could possibly happen and completely opposite joe biden saying well you know we, we may have do to it have limited nuclear and, and I'm, I'm sitting here going you know i remember being scared in the 80s during reagan's presidency and, and when the you know when the soviet union began to collapse and things got very 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 
tense because Alaska was on the front lines. I mean, the first place that was going to get hit when they launched the missiles was going to be Alaska. Yeah. Um, Cause we were the closest. And I can remember being scared in like 1984, 1985 range right in there. And, at that point in time, everything the president of the United States was saying was, that is absolutely the last thing we ever want to consider. We cannot allow things to get to the point where there is a thermonuclear exchange. That was that was Ronald Reagan's line. And now we have a president going, well, maybe a limited uh, nuclear exchange is, is, a, is an option to deal with the, this, this whole thing in Ukraine. And I'm sitting here thinking, no. And you know. And you know, it's not no. the president that scares me more than the people that are saying, "Yeah, we do. This is this might have to happen." Yeah, no, no, that that scares me more than the president because the president I mean, is just fucking. We are the only it. nation who has actively used nuclear yeah. weapons or atomic atomic weapons, but we're atomic. the only ones who've ever done it. And even after we did it, we immediately knew that that could never happen again. Mm-hmm. And. The fact that we now have a president who's considering it again is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying because regardless of how much drawdown and reduction in nuclear arms there has been between the United States, Russia, China, and Iran, and Pakistan, we still have enough nuclear weapons in the arsenals of the world to destroy the planet three or four times over. Nuclear Easily. weapons and chemical warfare are the absolute most devastating, destructive carelessness use in a it's, war. It's, it's not, I don't know that it's, it's even necessarily carelessness as much as it is. It, it goes even beyond hubris. Well, I it call it carelessness the, because. If you're willing to just throw or lob a fucking chemical or nuclear bomb into a place and don't care who it hurts. Callousness, yeah. Callousness, not carelessness. Callousness. That's it. Yes, yeah. So I, anybody that backs that needs to have their fucking shit packed. <laughs> even if we used a backpack nuke, even if we used a very small yield device yeah. to try and, and do something in regards to the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, the moment we unleashed a nuclear explosive, the rest of the world, the backlash from the rest of the world would be devastating to the entire planet. Yeah. There is no way in this day and age, I just don't see how we could ever, how either, I don't see how Putin could do it, I don't see how we could do it, I don't see how anybody could use a thermonuclear device of any size in this day and age and not have the entire planet erupt into absolute. I mean, it would just fucking apocalypse. Well, the fact that the words have even left anybody's mouth is just horrifying. Doug, do you want to weigh in on that at all? I think it would divide the world 50 50. So if we go back to how the United States used to fight wars, it was we are going to break the spirit of our enemy. So they will quit fighting, right? And we kind of quit doing that after World War II and we got into the, we're going to win the hearts and minds of people. If we were the ones to drop the nuke first, the world's going to get divided. Half the world's going to hate us for doing it. The other half's going to go, well, they got the testicular fortitude to do it. We better get behind them before they drop one on us. Same thing's going to happen if Russia drops it first. So again, like everybody else, I hope it doesn't happen. 
I don't think there is any winner once it does happen. Yeah. We got away with it in World War II because there was nobody else to really compete with us at that point with those bombs. So the rest of the world went, oh, shit, we better kind of pay attention to what they're doing. Um, but now, like you said, there's several other nations that have the same ability, right? It might not be the exact same nuclear bomb, but at the end of the day, the technology is the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to absolutely divide the globe everybody's going to pick a side at that point and then we keep lobbing them until the you know we go the way of the dinosaurs or <laughs> hopefully one goes off and everybody goes well okay that was good that was good let's stop now stop see you bye <laughs> yeah see you bye yeah I, I i honestly do have that feeling if it did happen yeah you're you're exactly right and i think i think everybody should take a lesson that from when we dropped ours in Japan, it should have happened. It, they knew what was going to happen. They, they'd done the test fucking prior to that. They knew what the fuck was going to happen. It should have happened. It did happen. It shouldn't repeat, be repeated again. However, we've seen many things, political and in war, be repeated a multitude of times since then. And it's... <laughs> And, you know, if we here's my here's my fear: if Putin fires a, a, a tactical nuke, yeah, in Ukraine, does the current administration have the restraint not to immediately fire something in response? And I see that's where I'm on a real rickety rope right there. Like Doug said, in World War II, we were the only ones who had it. So everybody had to back down. But now everybody's fucking got it. So who's going to back down? No matter what extent you have it, somebody's everybody's got it. At least one. Right. right? Now it's not only does our administration show restraint. Everybody needs to show restraint. Well, yeah, that's show restraint. I mean, that too. If Putin fires one, it's trying to be like, oh shit! If he's doing it, Taiwan, well, here we come, bitches. Well, that, yep, you that's know? another. That's another question I've got. What about NATO? What would they say? Mm-hmm. Would they say, "Yeah, go for it, do it"? Or would they so say, I, well, "Nope, they don't would, do it"? Here's why. So Ukraine, obviously not NATO yet. Probably will be. Maybe it won't, but they're trying. But, but yeah. they're not yet. So let's accept the fact they're not NATO yet. But, but you I have a problem. Even a tactical nuke in Ukraine, it's absolutely going to affect Poland. Yeah. Right. I don't care yeah. how tactical you oh, get. Yeah. That radiation is going over the border. Yep. Yeah. And now it has affected a NATO nation. How then, do we not get involved at that right. point? Yeah, the NATO we'll has to respond. We'll yeah. see the 101st is at the the Ukraine border <laughs> like and, and they've been yeah. fighting in defense of yeah, NATO but at the Ukraine border like I'm it's fucking so, scary right now yeah that's what it is shit's fucking scary I mean, this I mean, I know going to hell in a handbasket I know we go about our batting matches you know? I know we go about our days like normal people but honestly, we've seen bullshit. We we all have. All of us sitting here right now, all five of us, have been a part of something throughout the last few decades that has been fucked up. Because somebody was like, you know what? Fuck it. 
And I, 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 I always get that feeling every time I hear this shit brought up. I'm like, it's going to be another fuck it day. That's what it's going to turn into. I, I just, I always have that feeling. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's the paranoia. I don't know. But I know we've only got five minutes left and we need to wrap this up. Um, so thank you for helping us get to here. Um, really quick. Oink. Objective zero, sir. Of course. Hey, folks, if you're out there struggling, you need somebody to talk to about anything. I mean, check out objectivezero.org. They got an ambassador standing by 24-7 willing to talk to you about an array of things, whatever's on your mind and whatever you need to speak about. So, again, head over to objectivezero.org and download those apps for your phones and uh, mobile devices so you have those ready, not just for you, but for, uh, for that battle buddy that you may uh, see struggling out there. Also, don't forget that if you go to dysfunctionalveterans.com, you've got veteran resources and you've got parental control apps where you can download and actually control what your uh, children are doing on the Internet. And you should be aware of what your kids are doing. I don't care if they're 18 and about to graduate. If they're living with you. They're still a child and they're still in school. And you should be knowing what they're doing. You need to try and keep them safe through your kids for crying out loud. So go to dysfunctionalveterans.com. Use the vet resources, use the parental control apps that are on there to your advantage. JJ, last words, sir. I eat more coffee, battlegrounds to support DV radio, uh, kbarsoapco.com. Don't smell like swamp ass. <laughs> Did I miss anybody? <laughs> Southern Vet Sweets and uh, Southern Oink. Vet Sweets, yes. Oink, what's what what's Brad's? Purple Heart Homes. There you go. We just did the Take That Hill Challenge today, so yeah. Wait, oh shit, wait that was happened, today. Right? Holy fuck. Yes, Jesus. it was. My bad. I'm sorry, Brad. I forgot. <laughs> Been a long week. Uh, War Dog. Yeah. Um, uh, just remember to dial nine eight eight if you happen to have any uh, mental health crisis. Um, and psych war gang representing mental health in the uh, military community. Yeah. And also on dysfunctionalveterans.com, that's a good point you brought up there. Word dog. We do have objective zero, uh, and the suicide prevention hotline right there at the very top. All you got to do is click on those images. Doug, would you like to say any last words for our listeners tonight? Hey, just thanks for letting me be part of this again. It's always fun. This is the second time I've been on it. I love it. I think you guys have a great cause out there that you're helping uh, veterans. And although you primarily talk about veterans, it snowballs. You're helping veterans' families when you do it. And I, I really appreciate that more than anything else. Take care of ourselves, and then you're taking care of your, your families as well. So thank you all for doing that. Thank you for coming on. And like I've always said, you've got an open-ended invite come join us anytime you won't just let us know uh and next time you come on doug you got to tell us stories about going from troops to teachers because you're doing it yep i i am doing it but not through that program that 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 i'm just using that as a general thing yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) i'm just saying you were a troop now you're a teacher you got to tell us what it's like that is yep i am Hey, if, you can come back next, if you can come back next week, that would be great. We can do that too. We can make a whole show about it. All righty. 
<laughs> he sounds so enthused. He's like, oh, I don't know, man. You're talking about penises and nukes. I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> and how we're going to work that into teaching grade school and middle school and high school. <laughs> that actually wait, might wait, be easier. Just say something about parents. Know where your children are. And what they're right. <laughs> Make sure they're not listening to DV radio oh, on Saturday shit. nights. Hey, everybody, don't forget, you got free shipping until tomorrow, October 23rd at the DV Radio Store on dvradio.net. Just click on the DV Radio Store tab, head over there, get your free shipping. Don't forget to click the redeem button when you're in the store or you won't get your free shipping. Head over to dvfarm.org. You can help us get the septic tank by clicking on the donate thing for the septic tank. There's a big graphic thing. Just click more. You'll see it when you're over there. You say DV6 is full of shit. Well, I'm saying that our septic system needs to be fucking fixed. <laughs> so the answer is yes. Uh, the yeah. pooper isn't full. The pooper is broken. Right. <laughs> Shit is full. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and joining us tonight. Thank you to Oink, JJ, Wardog, and Doug. I'm vulnerable. You just heard Barry Sauber right here on WDVRDVRadio.net. Until next week, sickles. Bye-bye. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter.